Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own AB Home Interiors in Nashville, Tennessee. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive through a well-designed home. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your environment more mindfully. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month as I journey into the depths of domestic and holistic enlightenment. Hello, hello everyone. I'm your host Amanda and I'm so excited about today's guest. Today I have on Tisha Morris, a feng shui consultant. I love feng shui because it's something that I practice in my interior design firm, but what I also love about Tisha is that she's local to Nashville, which means that her and I can go to lunch and um, just powwow with one another and share notes and and, um, just talk about really the great things about uh, a well-balanced life and how to attain that through your interiors and your environment, really. What's really great about Tisha is her roundabout way that she came to basically practicing feng shui. She practiced law and obtained a fine arts degree in interior design because she thought that interior design would be the answer to this lingering need within her. Law just wasn't really fulfilling her and she thought that interior design, that creativity would and it didn't quite fit the bill. So she became a certified life coach, energy healer and then started teaching yoga which then brought her around to feng shui. Tisha is very inspiring. She has uh, a beautiful book called Feng Shui Your Life, which is a very easy way to basically dip your toe into feng shui with some fantastic levels of, or steps rather, of how to practice feng shui. And she's just very inspiring. She practices Chinese medicine, yoga, Buddhism, shamanism, sacred geometry, reconnective healing, numerology, and also feng shui. So she is a woman of many, many hats. And what's really great about feng shui is it's all about balancing everything in your life and your environment so that you live your best life. Something that I am an avid believer in, especially for those of you who are familiar with my interior design business. Um, I write about that subject a lot on my blog. So I am excited to introduce you to Tisha and the idea of feng shui and what it is so that you too can create an environment in your home that has a lasting impression and changes your life for the better. Tisha, I am so excited to have you on the show today. Um, Welcome. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. My pleasure. So as I mentioned in the intro, I have Tisha Morris on um, Skype today and she is a feng shui practitioner and her company is uh, Tisha Morris Feng Shui Your Life. Tell me a little bit about feng shui and, and you know, you, you started out as an uh, attorney and decided to go into feng shui. Tell us how that transpired. Well, you mean all feng shui consultants aren't attorneys? <laughs> Not typically, no. Oh, okay. Um, well, it's been about a it's about a ten year journey. It's if any lawyers can uh, can relate. Getting out of law is not easy, um, but at the same time, you know, it's created a bri- created a bridge for me. And I never really sought out to become a feng shui consultant. It wasn't ever in my um, career goals when I was in college. <laughs> and 
But what happened is I was pretty um, unhappy practicing law. It didn't take long for me to realize that that was not what I wanted to do. I'd actually, when I went to law school, my whole reason for going to law school was I couldn't figure out what else to do. Um, I wanted to be a writer one day, and it just seemed like the most logical thing to do at the time. And so I started to um, realize that I loved working in homes, and so I actually went and got an interior design degree And um, while I was still practicing law. And this still didn't quite fit the bill for me. And I was pretty disheartened about that as well because <laughs> it took a lot of time and money. Um, and around that time, I started doing lots of yoga. And it was the yoga that opened me up to kind of this world of subtle energies. And I really, it really resonated with me. Um, from there, I got into energy healing and doing, getting trained to be, a, to be an energy worker or energy healer. And... It was finally something that that never bored me, <laughs> and playing and working with energy um, on this non three D level um, really resonated with me. And so I eventually kind of um, took it full circle with the interior design and working with homes, and um, brought the energy into that, and then realized that that's oh that's called feng shui. And so that's when I realized oh I'll study feng shui, and that's um, I soon added feng shui to my energy healing practice and it, it um, seems to be working. So that's how it came about. Well, they really do mix well. I mean, they really do go hand in hand and you probably utilize your interior design degree a lot more than you think you do. Sure. Yeah. It's, you know, I think that's kind of where we're moving in the West um, with, you know, the feng shui, you know, obviously it comes from um, originally in China and it's um, slowly been making its way across the globe. And here in the United States, I mean, it's, you know, it's very popular. It's been very popular on the West Coast, a lot, obviously a lot more. And even on the East Coast as well. And it's starting to um, penetrate in all areas of the country. But, you know, really coordinating it with design I think is is important I, I believe that there is um, not all good design is good feng shui and not all feng shui is good design and so I like to play in that middle ground and um, where you have good good design and good feng shui so that's that's my goal with spaces so for those who are listening today who Probably at this point, I think a lot of people have at least heard of the term, but may not necessarily understand or know what it is. Just give us a little bit idea of what what is feng shui and the importance of everything is kind of uh, geared towards the, the energy, as you were mentioning, and the chi. So so tell us about what it is and why, why we're doing it. Sure. So feng shui, the textbook definition would be living in harmony with the earth's energy. Um, now that is kind of a very conceptual definition, uh, but basically where in a tier design, we're, we're looking at how a space looks and feng shui, we're looking at how to, how a space feels and more of the, on the energetic level as opposed to the 3d 
level of, you know, tables and chairs and, and, and wallpaper and all that. Whereas we're looking at the energy. Now the tables and chairs and the wallpaper can affect the energy. And so there is where it kind of gets, the lines get a little bit blurry. But feng shui is, you know, part of it is just is loving your home, loving every square inch of your home, feeling good, having a supportive environment. You know, our space, um, you know, so often people come home or have spaces in their homes where they, they just don't like being in there. And that's a good sign of, of bad feng shui. <laughs> you want to love every, every part of your home. And so if there's parts of your home that you're not liking, or maybe the whole home, you know, sometimes people move into a home and suddenly they lose their job, their marriage goes down the toilet, you know, all these things um, start happening. You know, homes have their own energy um, as well. So that opens a whole other can of worms. But um, so that's kind of a textbook definition. The word feng shui actually means, translates to wind and water. Feng shui was originally used to um, find or locate where people wanted to um, bury the uh, upper echelon people, the, ki- the kings and queens and stuff. The and then it was, sites. yeah, and then it was moved to um, locating homes. Uh, which, you know, it's still very functional for that purpose. Um, wind and water, it's how the, the wind and water shape the lands. The land, I think in 2010, Nashville ha- had a better under or appreciation for, for locating a good place um, for homes from, from the wind and water after the flood. And then so eventually it was, it was actually much later that it was actually feng shui was brought into the home. And I think as our homes have gotten... Uh, bigger and a little bit more cut off from nature or the natural world, it's become more and more important to bring feng shui into the home. So how does, you know, you mentioned that everything in our homes really plays into the idea of feng shui and and energy and especially how we feel in it. One of the things, especially uh, me being a designer, I'm really conscientious of the furnishings that I put in a home that have sharp angles and and sharp corners and and things like that. Tell us why that matters. Yeah, so what you're referring to is what's called poison arrows. And and you're exactly right. It's it's um furniture or or even accessories with a a pointed edge or corner. I was actually in a home today. They had these actually dining room chairs that had um these three points on them. Um it was very, very sharp energy. Um, also, you see it a lot with um, tables that have a kind of sharp corner on them. And basically, the energy is too pointed, and it like projects out into a room, kind of like a like a knife or or an arrow, I guess. Hence the poison arrow. And you know, for a while, I, you know, I thought this was kind of like, oh, that's kind of cute, poison arrow, and. Okay, that kind of makes sense. But one one day I was working on my space and I started, I could feel the poison arrow in my hand. And it was really, really, really sharp. And I it really hit home with me um, how it was important, in fact. So too much rushing chi, which would, that's what that would be. Um, is not good. And then, of course, on the opposite spectrum of that, which would be stagnant chi, that is not good either. So you want you want it flowing and meandering. Um, and by the way, I didn't really mention, talk about what the word qi means. Qi is just um, the Chinese word for energy. And 
energy really on a scientific level is electromagnetic energy that comes up from the earth um, and it permeates everything in our in our world um, so it's it's all around us every uh, item in your home has an energy field and of course we as humans do as well so there is this whole world of energy going on in your home that, that most people are not even aware of. Well, and I think, as you mentioned earlier, it's when something catastrophic might be a strong word, but when something <laughs> has uh, devastated a home's energy, whether it be divorce or trauma or something that has happened, depending on how sensitive you are, a lot of times you can sense that when you go into a space. And like you mentioned, if there's a room that something is just off. You might not know about feng shui, you might not understand it, but you can sense it. If there's something that you don't like or if it's a room that just feels off to you, that's a good indication that something in there, the energy is wrong or, or the furniture is incorrect. That's exactly right. And usually uh, negative energy attracts negative energy. So a lot of times you will see in this same room where something traumatic happened is the same room where there's uh, furniture is, a, is an odd angle. It's the same room where the floor plan's a little funky. It's the same room where there's a lot of clutter. It starts to build on, on each other. Um, so negative energy just attracts more negative energy. So we, we may consider ourselves not intuitive, but on a subconscious level, we are quite intuitive. <laughs> That's exactly right. So feng shui is affecting you at all times, whether you're aware of, aware of it or not. And it's, you know, for some of us, we are more sensitive and more conscious of it, whereas other people, it's affecting on a subconscious level to where we're kind of unconscious of what's going on. And that's not a good place to be in anywhere in your life, um, to being conscious of your surroundings. And so I, I'm a big proponent of using feng shui is um, just like you would use preventative medicine. It's, it's part of this holistic pie that we're all um, looking towards in today's day and age of looking at you know, alternative medicine, new ways of being healthy. Um, the home is so much part of the, that and just becoming conscious of our life, our space, um, how things are affecting us. So I, I am a big proponent of all of us using feng shui for that purpose. Well, and I think a lot of us underestimate idea of energy being around us and how we feel. I think we're inundated with too many other things. Mm -hmm. So we're just simply distracted. We all have the ability to sense something or feel something. Um, it's just whether you're paying attention to it. So I That's think right. just the awareness alone is a huge step in the right direction. I totally agree. So we've we've pretty much summed up really what the difference is, but what would you say be a clear definition of what the biggest difference is between practicing feng shui with your interiors versus just working with an interior designer? Well, uh, like I said, you know, Fun uh, interior design is about how a space looks. Feng shui is about how a space feels. Both are important. A lot of times if it looks good, it'll feel good as well. But when I say feel, you want to, you know, look a little bit under the surface, um, which usually if a, if a knockout space is just great, then like I said, usually positive energy attracts positive energy. So if you have this beautiful room and, it, and you love being in there, that energy is gonna um, is very important. You want that throughout your whole whole space. Um, but sometimes, you know, 
floor plans are not very feng shui compliant. And that's unless you're re, uh, completely reconstructing a floor plan, which obviously is sometimes part of interior design, then you know, there's all kinds of remedies we use in feng shui to, um, to shift the energy in a space if it's um, inauspicious. And then the feng shui goes a little bit deeper of, you know, when you change your home, you change your life. And so it's, I, I come to feng shui from more of a healing background of making changes in your life. And our home at the end of the day, it's a mirror of ourself. It's a mirror of our own personal energy. And so when you make changes to it, you, you're going to see new things take place in your everyday life, your, your job, your health, your relationships. And I'm sure we'll talk in a minute about the Bagua map. That's a, um, probably the quintessential tool used in feng shui, where it's a map that overlays over your floor plan. And you can see where all these areas of your life fall within your home. And that's when you can really start um, making some changes in your life. I agree. And, you know, I'm a a traditional practicing interior designer and I always utilize feng shui. So I'm always approaching interiors with that intention. But I absolutely believe and I always tell people that the best example is when you have a room or an area that's completely cluttered with paper paraphernalia and stuff and you just take an afternoon and you clean it and discard the things that you don't need and organize it, the feeling that you have when it's completed, you feel good when you go into that space and you feel good knowing that it's done and it's not like that thing that's sitting on your shoulder. And I think that's a great example of the differences of the energy that you're emitting when you feel good about a space. Yeah, exactly. Clean clutter is a whole is a whole big subcategory of feng shui, and in my opinion, it's the first step of feng shui. Um, you've got to you could have you know the most auspicious floor plan, the best interior design, everything you know done everything the right way, but if you have clutter sitting around, that's just a big big energy block that stagnates energy, and it it prevents new things from moving into your life and so that's what clutter is it's stagnant energy it's taking up space for new things that come into your life so when you clear it out it allows new space for new things and you can uh, really put into motion some major changes by clearing clutter and um, I do whole workshops on just clearing clutter and it's it's uh, really fascinating stuff I agree. People hold on to their stuff for the silliest of reasons. Right. The, the real reason is usually a little deeper than, than what, what the surface would, would uh, seem. So, but it's, it's a real um, effective way of, of healing the past of, and making changes for the future. So, I agree. So what, what would you consider to be the most common reason people call you? Gosh, it really runs the gamut. Um, you know, it it can vary between. Um, Are people some... generally pretty at wit's end by the time they come to you, as they have areas in their life that they're really wanting to fix, and this is like, okay, I, I've got to try this because it's going to fix it, or is it is it more of wow, I'm really interested in this, and I want to see if I can make improvements. Uh, really, both. Yeah. People who kind of already have an appreciation for feng shui will use it more of a, as more of a preventative tool, whereas people who 
really are kind of new to alternative methods, it can it ends up as a last resort. And um, some people, it's you know referrals. They heard their friend talk about how amazing you know their house feels after the after feng shui, and so they they call me because they want that same wonderful feeling. Um, and uh, you know the people who um, who already understand a little bit about feng shui, um, if they call me to um, improve their job situation or um, a relation, relationship issues, um, very, very focused reasons within their home. Um, another big part of what I do is space clearing. So sometimes I'll get calls for um, maybe some kind of entity in the home uh, or perhaps just a room or section just does not feel right and they just don't know why. Um, in which case it could be some kind of entity kind of thing going on in the space. Of course, to um, help sell a home. Is, that was going to uh, be my next question. <laughs> yeah. It, I, you know, I, I, to me, especially when I was out on the West Coast, that was the number one reason why most people would uh, contact a feng shui consultant is to sell their home. Mm-hmm. So how does that work for you when you go into a home that is being staged to sell. What what are typically your intentions when you're going into that space? Well, usually, at least in the south, it is it is kind of as a as a last resort, <laughs> um, is is to use the feng shui um, because the house isn't selling. You know, everything's they dropped the price. Everything everything's they've done everything they can do, and it's still not selling. And so they try feng shui as a last resort, where you know. It, obviously should be done sooner probably right before or um, and pre- preparing to put the house on the market so that you can go ahead and make the changes and I've been you know I've been in some beautifully staged homes with a professional stager and that are not good feng shui so that's something to consider you you want, might want to hire a stager and a feng shui consultant or a stager who is a feng shui practitioner as well um, because kind of like I was saying with interior design and feng shui they don't always mesh um, so what I what I see most of the time with with houses that have a hard time selling is there's something um, this you know it's more than just painting your front door red it's more than just rearranging the living room there's usually an energy um, surrounding the occupants that's keeping that house um, locked or not moving. There could also be something with the house itself. You know, our house has our homes have their, have a soul or an energy within within themselves that's separate from the occupant. It could have had some trauma um, in the past that needs to be healed. Um, there's there's so many reasons why a house may not be moving, and that's that's so below the surface um, that is really on an energetic level. You bring up a really good point about the occupant's energy putting up blocks that they may not realize that they're doing or putting up some type of resistance. Mm-hmm. Can a person be feng shui <laughs> Well, as you, um, well, that's, a, you know, I do actually integrate my healing work with feng shui. Um, I'm a big proponent of uh, you know, we go and get a great massage or energy work or acupuncture, or whatever, and then we come back to our home, and our home has that same and holds our energy pattern. So we end up falling back into the same 
same pattern. So I'm a big proponent of doing um, the energy work and feng shui somewhat in tandem um, so that your new vibration or frequency in your home are kind of on the same level. But with regard to occupants selling their home, you know, obviously anyone who has their home up for sale has the best intentions and they want to sell it. But there's oftentimes something subconsciously going on that, that brings up some resistance. I've had, um, you know, divorce issues that, you know, one of the parties was holding on to the house subconsciously. Um, so, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of things can play into it. So how do you generally incorporate or I, I totally believe that energy healing and feng shui definitely go hand in hand. How do you typically incorporate that into your practice? What, I guess a, a better question might be like if you're going out to a home, what does that look like? How do you ha explain to us mm -hmm. what a, a consultation would sure. be like? Yeah, I actually do, can do like a what I call mind body home package, and usually we'll do the home first, uh, maybe uh, like a, definitely a space clearing. Um, I definitely uh, want to clear the house really good of, of all you know, old patterns. Um, that are set into the house. And then, um, a week or so later, they come to my office and have energy healing, um, done themselves. And that's, that's a real nice <laughs> package for yourself, um, in your home that can really start to put into motion a lot of things taking place in your life. What are some inspiring stories that you've heard from having uh, not only energy healing but feng shui in somebody's home what are some things that uh, some results that some of the listeners could hear and, and relate to as far as maybe some things that they'd want to see in their own lives sure so you know when you start to work in your home and you know usually I leave a consultation with um, you know a, a list of things of changes for them to make and you know I'm I'm a big proponent of integrating a law of attraction, and with that, as you make these changes, for example, if you are planting a plant in your wealth corner, really having the intention of that wealth as you do so. So this really brings a whole level of consciousness into your life, and so all of this work you're doing in your home will manifest somewhere in your outward life in your in your world, and so I've seen so basically my point is as you become more conscious your entire life will Expands. expand and more be more conscious and so the results just run the gamut with what people um are needing change in so i've had i've had relationships um really shift and with some um ending in divorce as a result and some you know re-establishing a new relationship you know, it's all about what needs to take place and getting things moving in the direction it needs to go instead of being stuck. I see a lot of just, you know, empowerment. You know, when um, a lot of, I see a lot of um, empty nester women who, who kind of um, are kind of lost without an identity um, after their children go um, away and really soul-searching for for who they are and what their purpose is in life. And, um, and as they start to take power over their house and their space, this is a whole level of new empowerment that they've never experienced before. And, you know, the space in your house is energy. And so taking over your space is taking over your power, is taking your power 
um, empowerment. So it's um, so just just a good old dose of empowerment. I see that a lot. Uh, I see some really crazy random um, things happening in people with people's wealth and finances. Like they'll get, you know, like a a windfall, and that's not necessarily what we're going for. We kind of want more of a steady increase in income instead of the windfalls. But you know, you never know what what you'll get back in in return, um, especially as you clear out clutter when you you know getting rid of an old pair of jeans. You know, that could come back to you as finding a new pair on sale that you absolutely love, or it could come back to you in the form of a new job offer. You just never know. Interesting. Yeah. So it's the point, you know, the, the biggest point is getting things moving in your life and really empowering, empowering now yourself. Now back up to the clutter. You mentioned that and getting that out. Um, explain to the listeners how that clutter can interfere We'll get to talking about the Bagua map in a, in a minute here, but in particular sectors in our life, if we are wanting to focus on, say, love and marriage or wealth, if you've got clutter in that area, how is it detrimental to that sector of your life if you're wanting to improve it? What does it do? Well, yeah, if, for example, if you are, yeah, if you're kind of stuck in love and relationship, um, actually, I, I do come across a lot of um single women that are seeking for, for relationship. And actually one of the first things I would look for, um, were holding on things from past relationships. Um, that just keeps you anchored into the past as opposed to moving forward. Um, where those items are stored could run the, run the gamut. The worst place for them to be stored would be in the bedroom. <laughs> Sounds like a no brainer, but you'd be surprised. I had one client who had a meticulous, clutter-free home, uh, who prided herself in having no clutter, and she was almost correct. I went into her bedroom, and this little neatly stacked stack of uh, yearbooks in her bedroom, <laughs> and uh, and then of course the proverbial stuffed animal on the bed, and that um, this does. Two little items was was enough to shift shift the energy uh, to keeping her in the past. Interesting. So yeah, the clutter um, could 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 show up anywhere. Obviously, you can also look in the boggle map in the love and relationship area. Uh, I was recently in a home that was really struggling with with love and relationship. Like she was like almost you know out the door kind of thing. And right in the, the furthermost corner of her wealth corner was a stack of like bags, like travel bags <laughs> and like purses and bags. And it was almost like as if she was going to pack her bags. And um, that was not her conscious intention, but that was um, not coincidental at all. So, um, so yeah, definitely looking in that section of the Bagua map that correlates with that area is, is definitely important as well. Now, you talked about uh, empty nesters with empowerment and some of the things that we experience when we do. Because you are an energy healer and you're, you're working with people's energies and auras and whatnot, tell us how the chakras are affected by doing proper feng shui and energy healing in your home. Sure. So each of the sections of the Bhagwa map is associated with um, a different chakra. You know, you could, you know, all 
entities or beings or however you want to think of it has sort of their own chakras. So our house has its own chakras. Um, our country has its own chakras. Our globe has its chakras. So you can look at it at all levels. And so, yeah, our home has its own chakras. And so that's definitely when, when I go to um, a consultation, I have them fill out ahead of time um, some questions. And, uh, you know, one of it is, you know, any physical elements or, you know, anything going on in the body because then uh, that the different sections of the Bhagavad map are correlating with the chakras and, and also um, body parts and, and body, um, systems in the body. So that's, for example, if someone's having low back issues or something relating to um, support, um, not feeling supported, or which manifests in the body is like low back pain or maybe all the way into the legs, I would look in the wealth corner because that's the area, um, the, the first chakra that's associated with our survival and support. And uh, so I would look in that area of the house to see if there's any blocks going on that is causing blocks within the body. So it's all very interrelated. Let's talk about the audiences. If, if they're not totally familiar with feng shui, they probably are getting confused because we keep talking about the Bagua. Tell us what the Bagua map is and why it is absolutely necessary for feng shui and how it is basically the tool that that drives feng shui sure so so yes it's called the bagua map and sometimes you'll see it called the pa kwa um it's all the same thing sometimes the pa kwa is actually octagon whereas the bagua map is a rectangle but it's all the same same um, configuration and it comes from uh, the I Ching, which is considered the oldest book in China. And it is this mystical layout. And it's really kind of integrated into our collective consciousness. It can, and it, it's basically if you were to draw a tic-tac-toe board of nine squares, that would be the Bagua map. And each one of those squares represents a different area of your life. And you can go... Um, to Amanda's blog, she has a picture of the Bagua map I've created, or you can go it's to... It's actually Tisha's. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Um, or you can go to my website, and uh, it's actually my free gift, and I show you how to align it with your space and all that fun stuff. But it shows you where all, you know, your wealth corner, your love corner, your, your, your career sector, your health, where all those areas lie within your home. And so I like to think of these as like energy portal portals that are available to you um, to enhance your life. Unfortunately, if we're unaware, a lot of times we're instead we're blocking them uh, or clogging them up. Well, it really gives you razor sharp focus yes. on very important areas of our lives. That's right. Yeah, it's um, you know similar to like the wheel of life, which is a commonly used um, life coaching tool to you know look at these areas of your life and and so it's kind of what I, I like to use it as a tool for folks and in, in the if you're struggling with wealth or you're struggling with um, your career or life purpose you know see where this falls within your home and the first step is to remove clutter from that area clutter by the way is anything you no longer love or use uh, it has no price tag it could be a thousand dollar painting um, you know it there's uh it could be a very expensive item that's considered clutter. It doesn't mean it's junk by any means. It just means it's taking your energy. And so that's the first first thing you would do when you um, look at one of these areas that you want to improve upon. Clear anything out. 
in it that no longer serves your highest and best interest. Um, the second thing would be to move things around, just see if there's a different configuration of furniture that, you know, sometimes even if the configuration of furniture is not the most feng shui compliant, just moving things around and trying something different will shift things in your life, give you new perspective on things. So I'm a real big believer in um, just move, you know, every now and then rearranging a room. Go ahead and clean cobwebs and uh, uh, sweep and all that fun stuff while you're doing that. It'll kind of give the energy a fresh, fresh lease on life. There's also, you can also do some easy space clearing. I can give some space clearing tips um, later on in the call. And then, then, and only then, should you do enhancements to that space. Um, I see a lot of times with clients, they want to jump to the enhancements. They want to add the crystal or they want to add a, you know, amethyst or, you know, or, you know, all, all this fun stuff where that's really the, the last step. Otherwise, you're just um, enhancing a lot of clutter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hope everybody just heard that. Repeat yourself. <laughs> that's very important. Right. Clear the clutter. And then you can energize, enhance the space. We don't want to energize all the crap. Right. And there's a lot of, lot of, lot of different ways to enhance or energize the space. And, um, and some of the stuff is specific to certain parts of the Bagua map. And that's where we kind of get a little bit detailed. But a good rule of thumb is uh, living things. By living things, um, I mean like water you know, wood, like live plants, rocks are very live, um, you know, very nature, things that are from nature, you could usually not go wrong with. Um, and then, you know, adding some things that were really special to you. Those are your own um, personal power objects within the space. So, for example, if it was your wealth corner, uh, maybe adding a picture or something or something to set on a desk or whatever it is, that to you feels abundant and rich, um, prosperous. It could be, you know, photo of Fiji, you know, or it could be your first dollar bill if it's your business. Th these items that are personal, personal to you. Um, and they're charged. That's right. I think that's important is that when you have these items that are sentimental and specific to you, they have no meaning maybe to somebody else, but they're charged by your energy. Exactly. So we don't want them to be charged by negativity. That's the thing that amazes me is when I go into homes, I will see people who hang on to things. They'll have pictures in their hallway of ex-husbands <laughs> or ex-people in their lives. And like they pass the picture and they're like, oh, God, you know, I hate that man. Or, um, oh, my mother-in-law bought me this, you know, tchotchke and I just can't stand it. And it's like people don't realize that that energy that they are emitting out every time that they pass by that item, that is affecting your chi. That's, that's affecting right. your the energy that's around you in that space, especially if you're emitting that every single time you see it. Mm -hmm. That's right. And, and, and going back to the empowerment, thing you know you're letting your mother-in-law take power over you you're taking your you're letting your ex-husband or ex-wife take power over you they're taking up your space space is the same thing as energy and energy is the same thing as power so um you're letting people take your space um same thing happens within our body we let people take our, our energy uh, you've, you've probably all you've all been around people where after you've 
um, but around them you just feel depleted. Well, they just took your energy. <laughs> and people can do that in your home as well. Or you can do that. You, you allow that in your home. We do it all the time with having objects that we don't like. Um, maybe it was a gift, but we feel obligated to, to put it up. These are just all examples of, of people allowing, allowing people to take your energy. You can only allow people to do it. They can't do it themselves unless you allow it. Even though we feel otherwise. That's right. <laughs> That's what called- are, um, you mentioned some really great tips on some things that people can do. What would you say would be like the top maybe three things that somebody could do in their home right now to start implementing feng shui in their life and attracting better chi? Yeah, good question. Um, well, I think I kind of hit home the importance of clutter, so I'll I'll reiterate that, but yet give yeah, some like, other... Uh, Joan Crawford with no more wire hangers, no more clutter. <laughs> right. <laughs> so here's a good tip. Um, find or think about your least favorite room or area of the house and go make some changes. That's, that doesn't sound fun, does it? <laughs> it's usually um, an uncomfortable experience, but yeah. it, it'll, uh, so the results y- will be rewarding. Right, it's kind of like the lotus flower, the, the darkest, murkiest, um, the, the most beautiful things come from the darkest and murkiest places. And that's where the transformation, the, the greatest transformation will take place, is in those spaces. And it could be anything from a desk drawer to a closet to an entire room of the house, or maybe even a whole like wing or section of the house. I see this actually a lot, where like one half the house is great and it feels great and they, they're living in it, and the other half of the house is like, just like a ghost, like a ghost town, like they, they're never over there. So that's a big um, indication that you are not utilizing all of your energy. You are cutting an as- a large aspect of yourself off. So, so yeah, my, my main, my, one of my main first steps would be yeah, find that area in your house that, that you don't really like being in or you, every, you kind of you just want to shut the door off or maybe you even have shut the door off of it. Well, you're, you're cutting off, it's like cutting off your left arm. So it's time to integrate that space back into your home and back into your, your, whole, your whole self again. Embrace it. Yes. Absolutely. So, um, so again, once you've found that, that space, whether it's a desk drawer or a whole room, clear out the clutter. Um, and then once you've cleared some things out, um, and by the way, clutter very, very well includes furniture, um, it could be a big armoire. In fact, I see this all the time. Furniture can be a huge energy block, literally and figuratively. Especially and, in bedrooms. People like to have a lot of furniture in their bedrooms. Yes. It seems like it, they've got the nightstands and the dresser and the armoire. <laughs> and it's like, how much furniture do you need in this little room? Right. Right. And so, you know, see if you can get rid of some, some, some things and then move, or if you're happy with the amount of furniture you have and you love all the pieces, try rearranging the room or even your, your desk organizer and your desk, you know, it, it can be on any scale that you want to work on and then add something that you love. If it's the guest bed, oftentimes the guest bedroom ends up being a dumping ground for a lot of things. Um, I find that to be a lot of people's least favorite room, you know, add a piece of artwork that you love or add a photo on the nightstand or, you know, something um, that's um, special to you to help. Yeah. And again, just emitting that good positive energy for that space. So it doesn't become the junk room. That's right. 
Is it better when, if somebody is completely new to the idea of feng shui, but really loves the idea of wanting to move forward with it and do something in their own home uh, to avoid being, I guess, overwhelmed if they were doing it themselves, is it better to try to do everything all at once or focus on one area at a time? Oh, great question. Um, yeah, I, I do see a lot of people getting overwhelmed, and they, that's usually why they end up calling me, which is great. But <laughs> um, Or they give so, up entirely and say, this, this stuff doesn't work. That's right, exactly. Yeah, and then you're just putting confused energy into your space, which isn't good either. Um, so, yeah, you know, sp specifically with the Bagua map, I encourage people to just use it on your, if you have multiple stories, just using it on your main floor first. And then even then, you don't feel like you have to like go and like reconfigure every square or every area in your house that represents a square. Instead, just focus on one or two of those areas, that the areas that are most challenging to you, and just work in those first. So the, maybe start a priority list of things in your life that you're wanting to focus on. Maybe you're wanting to uh, make enhancements in your career sector and say maybe get more helpful people in your life. So maybe just focus on those two areas. Yes. Yes. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And, you know, the Bagua map can be used with any defined space. So it can actually also be used for each room. But I don't really recommend people doing that again because you can get really overwhelmed real quick. Um, however, if you have like, you know, an office outside the home, then that's a good place to, to use the Bagua map for your individual office. And so you would um, line it up with the door coming into your personal office as opposed to the whole building. Um, so if you're wanting to enhance your, your career, your, your, your work life, doing it on your individual office outside the home is also a nice, a nice tool. Sure, and that, again, would go back to how you feel with your energy, being able to focus on how good your office away from the home feels and also your office at home, the way it feels. You'll feel organized and together and excited to be in that space. Exactly. Which is a good feeling to have. Well, if our audience is unfamiliar with Tisha, she has a wonderful book out about feng shui. Tell us how you came about writing the book. Sure. So, yeah, perfect segue because actually the reason I wrote it is because I, I kept coming across folks and clients and workshops and stuff that were really overwhelmed. They were, number one, they were overwhelmed with, well, quite frankly, other feng shui books because they can be really complicated and um, difficult to understand and then being overwhelmed with their own space. And so my goal with this book was to really um, make it very uh, understandable and very immediately applicable to your own home without overwhelming, without overwhelming you. So I, I, from what I hear from readers, it has accomplished this, this goal. Um, so it's, uh, it was originally um, entitled 27 things to feng shui your home. And it was the publisher, uh, later repackaged the book to be called feng shui your life, quick guide to decluttering your home and uh, renewing your life. It still has, um, the 27 things within it. And so it really gives you a good, nice chronological um, way to approach your home. Um, you could do the 27 things in order, which, which do make a logical sense the way I ordered them. Or you could, if it's a rainy day, just you know, flip the book and see where it opens up to and, and do, do that one. Uh, so it's, um, 
it's a real good book to inspire inspires you to just kind of roll up your sleeve and start moving things around it's not heavy in um, theory at all and um it's more of uh, inspiring you to take action so and that's the thing it's the first step that's always the hardest so even if you're overwhelmed, just do, I love that idea of maybe just opening up the book and, and maybe doing small things every day. So it gives you something to look forward to and mm-hmm. it gives it to you in bite-sized options. Yes, yes, yes. And I always say, you know, feng shui only works if you actually do it. So reading about, you know, the theories from, you know, 1400 in China uh, is really interesting, but it's not going to do much for your, for your, for your home and for your life. Um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta put it into action. And, um, speaking of taking action that I, uh, on my website, you can find 27 day challenge. And I have these about four times a year and you get an email each, each day with a challenge. And it's a really, um, I've just witnessed the most amazing transformations in people's lives, um, through this challenge. So that's a fun, fun way to put, put it into practice as well. I like that. You also do, uh, for those that don't want to try to roll their sleeves up and they um, would rather just call in the professional, you've got some wonderful workshops if they would like to, well, I guess, how, how do your workshops work? Is it more of a DIY approach or is it learning more about it? Tell us what they are. Sure. Um, they really run the gamut. The, uh, the one that's actually getting ready to start August 8th is... Um, online or it's it's actually telephonic and we really dive into the bagua map a lot of what we've talked about tonight um, we go into each section of the bagua map and really break it down and um and see just in real detail we cover the elements of feng shui which we didn't have a chance to talk about today and that's called feng shui your life um online course and you can find that on my website as well um, so it, it involves worksheets and, and gets you interacting into, with your home um, as much as I can possibly do. <laughs> and you do run a lot of workshops. I mean, you've always got something going on on your blog so, or on yeah. your website. Yeah, and I, um, a lot of times I have a um, feng shui yoga, combined with yoga workshop, and that's really fun. Um, I really kind of hit home this concept of, um, how just how interrelated our mind and body is with our home, and we go into the into these yoga poses. And um, now, is that a part of the mind body home package? Um, no, it, it's not. But it is part of the mind body home challenge that you can do. I, I um, the challenges involve one mind challenge, one body challenge, and one home challenge um, each day and they all are related in some way. And so people, it's really enlightening to folks to see how all three of those aspects are related. So it's, it's cool. I like that. You've also, which I was excited to find out about when we went to lunch, you have created a smudge spray. Tell us what smudging is and why we do it and why you created your spray. Sure. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally in love with, with my own product. Um, <laughs> as you should be. <laughs> so, um, for anyone who's not familiar with sage smudging, it's a form of space clearing. Um, space clearing is clearing on the energetic level and, uh, sage smudging is one of the most common ways of, of, of clearing the energy. It's a, um, Native American 
tradition primarily, and where you um, burn a sage, a, a sage bundle, and waft it around your house. And, and why is it sage? Why is it? What what is it about specifically sage? Um, it's just a very. Its properties are very cleansing. Um, there's other herbs that are used can be used as well. Cedar wood is oftentimes used. Um, sweet grass, but sage is is definitely the strongest. And if you've ever burned it, then you know it's pretty. It, it's, it has Potent. a very heavy smell. Yes. And it can be a little overwhelming for folks, um, especially if they have any respiratory issues. Or um, for me, as a feng shui consultant, I would come home after um, being at people's homes all day and like coming home smelling like I'd been in a bar. Yeah. <laughs> and so I realized there was probably a better way for this for not only me, but people's homes. So I developed um, a smudge spray and it um, has a rose water base with mixed with essential oils, including sage oil. And it really leaves, it has all the same clearing properties of sage, but it ha- with that rose water, it really lifts and um, raises the vibration of the space. So it's... It's fantastic. I, I've used it in a couple of areas in my own home and I love it. It's oh, fantastic. good. Yeah. Uh, can people go to your website to buy it? Yes. Yes. Terrific. It's being used by a lot of holistic practitioners as well. It's also good for, you know, d- design folks like you or um, stagers who... Um, don't want the smoke going on. Yeah, well, I agree with you. Uh, I've saged my home many times, and everybody always, you know, when they come in, they always ask me, like, what's that going on in here? Right, right, exactly. <laughs> the smell is so strong. <laughs> well, Tisha, I have really, really enjoyed talking with you. I can't believe it's already been an hour. Tell uh, the audience how they can get in contact with you if they would like to work with you or possibly sign up for one of your workshops. Sure. So uh, TishaMorris.com is my hub, and that's where you can find pretty much anything, uh, T-I-S-H-A, Morris, M-O-R-R-I-S. And my smudge spray, you can also link from my site, but it has its own site called SmudgeSpray.com. And all of my workshops and courses going on um, are on under the tab called online online courses. I'm also starting um, a certification program for to train feng shui, to train people to become feng shui practitioners. Really, really excited about that. Um, so that's great. I love that. I also have an iPhone app um, that's really cool. It's basically the Bagua map, um, and you click on each square, and it brings up all the information about that section. What do they do? Just type in Tisha Morris under the App Store? You got it. Perfect. Wow. Well, I have really enjoyed talking with you today. This was fantastic. Thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you. Feng Shui is one of those things that I started practicing in my own home about probably 15 years ago. And it was one of those things that coming from the West Coast was something that a lot of people studied and practiced in their homes. And I didn't necessarily understand it. There was a philosophy behind it that made sense to me. And I think that if you practice this, even if you do it in small bites, it will change your life in unimaginable ways. The energy in our home is something that should be honored and nurtured. And when you see what it can do to your life and how it can improve even simple things that make all the difference, it's well worth it. I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as I did. If you'd like more information or have questions or comments, email me at info at abhomeinteriors.com. 
or visit us online at abhomeinteriors.com. You can also find me on Twitter at the Amanda Gates. Bye for now.